Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're here for the second episode of the week where we have James Justice from Once a Metro here to help us preview DC United's trip up to New Jersey, where they will try to keep themselves in position for a home playoff game and also try to reclaim the Atlantic Cup, our birthright. It is rightfully ours. Um, James, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure to join you. Um, I will disagree with the uh, the birthright comment, but uh, <laughs> always exciting when these two teams face. Yeah, hopefully a little less um, exciting as far as cards coming out of the ref's pocket than the last game, uh, which was just that exciting is not the word I would use for for that game. Yeah, and I think we could agree it, it kind of went both ways in terms of just terrible cards. Um, clearly a clear clearly a dive from you know Mario on the penalty and then just completely unheard of yellow card on Amro Tarek so it was just a pretty bad bad game all around I think in DC about a month ago so before we go any further I should note that this game is Sunday night on Fox Sports 1 it is the national TV game uh for the Eastern Conference so that that's going to be fun big stage for this one and I should also ask you what are you drinking you know, I got a blue moon, uh, beer of choice. Uh, it's sort of more of a summer drink, but uh, I'm sort of holding on to the very, you know, last bits of summer. And, I mean, down uh, here, it's still over 90. It's still very summer down here. We had that yesterday. Today was a little bit uh, chillier, more in the low 80s, high 70s. Got that autumn oh, feel right now. I wish, I, I wish. You know, we've internalized global warming and climate change when we're referring to low 80s as chilly. No, 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 I'm I'm sorry. I meant in the day. No, no, we're we're at a very nice right now, cool mid 60s. So very (laughs) nice. Global warming is serious, but but not that serious. Um, not, not that drastic yet in terms of, uh, yeah, eighties being cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we, we, we mentioned the, the last time these teams met the, uh, your, your metros came out with a two to one win. And since that cursed last game between these teams, uh, the Red Bulls lost three in a row and then have won their last two, including, uh, what, what looks like a pretty dominant performance over the Philadelphia union who until very recently were, uh, on top of the conference, what's going on? What's the the general form of the team at this point? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it, it's been sort of crazy uh, with the Red Bulls. The, the result in DC was sort of like a false dawn for this team in terms of where they were sort of angling towards. And after that game, they obviously have a bad string of games capped off really by Seattle, but even more so the game before that, before the international break, Colorado um, on August 31st when they lost to the Rapids, who had just appointed Robin Frazier down near the bottom of the Western Conference. And it it was just typical of the whole season. The Red Bulls, they didn't play terribly, but the the defense, which was so good last year, just gave up a a weak goal on the counter, two weak goals. The, The offense just wasn't sharp enough, didn't create enough chances, and then ultimately there was, you know, calls from the fans for Chris Armas's firing. And, and that was the low point um, for his tenure, 
um, for this press era for the Red Bulls, which has gone on for about four years, and, and obviously for the season. And so it was it was a moment for the Red Bulls that they, they really had to, to either show up or show out. And they did that in Portland. They showed up. Um, a few or a couple changes that sort of sparked that Kyle Duncan came in at right back. It's been a revolving door that in that position all season um, with mainly Michael Murillo and Reese Buckmaster from one of the great names in MLS um, <laughs> from Red Bull 2. Um, but Kyle Duncan, who had been in the team for a long time but not really featuring, comes in, does so well, adds something that, that really the other two guys weren't quite bringing. Um, and, and the team has just looked different since that Portland game. They, they didn't play quite as well against Philly, but they did enough to get the win. Um, and there's a bunch of factors. The defense has started to look a little bit more like that team from from last season. Um, and then just a bunch of other factors combining. It, it seems like things are finally coming together for the Red Bulls. And, and I hate to say it for you guys, but it, this is not a good time to, to come to Red Bull Arena and, and try to get points. It seems like the Red Bulls are finally back to, to, to what they were um, when they were really a tough team to face. That might be why this is the national TV game, honestly, because DC United are also coming off three straight, um, yep. three straight shutout wins at that. Wow! Yeah, no, I, I saw your form as well. The, the three straight losses and the three, three straight wins—it's it's sort of a, a similar situation for both teams. So, James, uh, speaking of Chris Armas, mm-hmm. outside of the past two games. Uh, what is the Red Bulls fan base opinion on him and a, a two-part kind of thing? Do you want him back next year? And do you think he'll actually be back next year? Yeah, great question. Um, it's the clear question right now. If you ask, this is the tough thing that, that we really have to navigate in this 2019 world that we live in. Um, how much is Twitter perception actual reality um i think that clearly if we believe it's reality it is reality i mean it it has become reality how much much is the outrage on twitter actually indicative of and just to to finish what i was going to say i think we we saw with the booing on august 31st that, that it was more than just the normal twitter rage um that there was sort of animosity towards chris armas um I mean, people will say that I'm biased, and I think that it's, you know, as a reporter, as somebody who goes to training sessions and someone who who sort of gets to see more than just the raw, like, press conferences and just the the snippets that go on the record, maybe I am biased, but but, um, I think that Chris Armas is a good tactician. I think that clearly um, when he stepped in as a head coach last year, he wasn't quite ready to lead a team, and I think – that that was that, that was the toughest part, having to learn on the job. Clearly, Jesse Marsh had his eyes to Europe, and, and Chris was sort of thrust into a situation. And to be totally fair to him, the team wins the Supporters Shield last year. But I won't disagree with the fans that say, "Well, look, there was sort of slippage in the terms of the performances. Yes, they were still getting points, but the games where they weren't getting points, they 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 weren't losing like they were losing before. They were really dropping a lot of games um, poorly." Um, players like Bradley Wright Phillips or, or specifically Kaku even dropped off significantly significantly in his form once Chris Armas was appointed. So, I mean, I get all that. And if you asked me this question two weeks ago, I'd probably tell you that 
I don't see Chris Armas coming back. But it, it's amazing in MLS what two weeks can do in a league with so much parity, in a league which with so much forgiveness. Um, I'm not a fan of seven teams making the postseason. I think it, it devalues the regular season. And I think that just for the sake of keeping teams near the bottom in, invested towards the whole season, it destroys the competitiveness for teams at the top. And I think that really the Red Bulls don't have – any business right now being in the situation that they're in because they haven't been good enough all year. They've been mediocre to subpar, but here they are and they've clinched a playoff berth and they're coming off two solid performances. And if they're able to get two more, this is a team that I think could make a run and win MLS cup. And then how could you possibly let go of a coach that, that does that? So again, if you asked me two weeks ago, I'd probably say no because the, the locker room just felt, it felt toxic but it, it, two weeks later, it's a completely different outlook. And I think that Chris Armas is, is a guy who, who does have respect from the organization. Um, he's a good guy. He's a really, really good guy. This is a guy who, when he was booed by the fans, he still walked around the arena and, and demanded that players walked around the arena to applaud the, the same fans that were booing him. Um, he's a guy that really wants to win it for this organization. And if they're able to, to pull it together and maybe make a small run in the playoffs, I, I don't think that he'll be fired. I think that he'll be brought back next season. Uh, James, I know our team has just played each other within the last month, and yet uh, the Red Bulls have a player that was around for that game but didn't play um, and is suddenly becoming a really important factor. Um, tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about Josh Sims. Yeah, so Josh was brought in on a loan from Southampton. It's only for this season you know normally we get the the sort of european loan it goes towards the first half of the next season too this is only going to be for this season so it was a unique loan luckily for josh he's acclimated really well um he was able to get straight into training and get straight into games in only a, a couple weeks he's avoided um any injuries in terms of that sort of sped up acclimation which has been really good to see and you can see that the quality i mean this is a guy who wasn't really featuring that much for Southampton. He played a bit in Premier League Two, um, and he had gotten some some minutes for Southampton, but not too much. But this is a guy who clearly has quality, um, and he stepped in and he's brought pace to the wing for the Red Bulls. He, he's been a, a true out and out uh, wing option with the Red, which the Red Bulls really haven't had. You know, they have Danny Royer, who's sort of like an inverted winger. Um, Florian Velo has been hurt for a year and a half now. So they haven't had that on the right side. So he's really just been a breath of fresh air down that wing. Um, and he, he's, a, he's a tough option. DC's going to have to um, deal with him. And, and uh, he, he's, he's a tough player to deal with because he's got the technical ability. He's got the speed and he's just got a lot of positivity. He's one of those players that it's really great when you have a player like him on your team, because he just seems to sort of not get tired. He's got that sort of endless energy in the midfield um, and he's still looking for that first goal. So, you know, he's going to be, you know, thirsting for that and uh, he's got close to it. So he's going to be uh, eager to get it against the big rival. So there's a guy on the Red Bulls um, who has been a United killer in the past. And he's, he's been a lot of teams killer in the past. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips has scored so many goals against DC United. It, it makes me a little bit ill, um, but he's been pushed to a reserve role for the Red Bulls this year. 
he came on, he got an assist in the win against Philadelphia for you guys. What's his status right now on the team and what's his future look like? Yeah, so I was on with uh, Six States One Pod for one of the Revolution podcasts um, talking about Brad. And this is where the good news might come in for you guys in terms of where Brad is right now. But before that, just a quick side story. I actually had training about a month ago, told him about um, – I asked him what was his favorite goal against D.C. ahead of the game in August. And he said the 100th goal, which I guess was an expected answer. But I tried to sort of get him to maybe think of other goals. So I, I brought up the goal in the playoffs in 2014 – or in 2015, and, and he, he couldn't remember the goal in 2015. He said, I scored against him in playoffs. And I said, yeah, 2015, whatever, Verone, passed you the ball, whatever. And then I was like, I think you scored in 2014 too. And he goes, did I? So he, he forgot two two goals that he scored in the playoffs against D.C. So I think it, it just sort of illustrates that he has scored a lot of goals against D.C., I think 12 altogether. But the good news for you guys is that um, this groin injury has just uh, really, really hampered him. And uh, it's a tough thing to see for a guy. Um, you, you don't want it to necessarily end like this, but so many times it does with, with older players with injuries. It, it was supposed to be like a, a three to five week, whatever it was, two to four week injury. It turns into this two month ordeal. And then this pain management thing, even while he's still back, you know, he, he, he doesn't look like the same player. He doesn't have the one bit mobility. And even before the injury, he had only scored one goal in like 19 games. So he was clearly um, slowing down even beforehand. So he's probably not going to start, although maybe Chris Armas will put him out there knowing his history against DC. Um, the Red Bulls also have Brian White who stepped up this year. A young forward from Duke, 24 years old, but but he's out with with an ankle sprain. So they've gone to their other young forward option, super draft pick Tom Barlow. Um, so he'll probably be the one that gets the start. He's also got speed like Josh Sims, um, but he doesn't have the pedigree of Brad. So um, yeah, so BWP may come off the bench. Maybe he'll get the cameo. Maybe he'll get a late goal. Um, but I don't think that teams have to worry about him too much. And in terms of him coming back. Um, I think that it is unlikely that, that he comes back next season. I just don't see, especially with the salary that he has now and the way the Red Bulls spend money, um, he's right now one of their two designated players, and um, he's just not really he's not really worth it at this point for the Red Bulls in terms of that uh, salary. So as sad as it is for the, the Red Bulls who retired his number last year, and maybe he'll still want to play, but I, I don't think the Red Bulls will be bringing him back. Uh, James, I do have to ask, um, since you mentioned Tom Barlow and, and Brian White, um, if if I know White is, uh, or at least he was questionable, we don't have an up-to-date injury report because it's MLS, of course. Um, yeah. If both Amen. players if both players are fully fit, um, who, who would you prefer to see up there, assuming one of them starts over BWP? Um, do you mean for the game on Sunday or for the, cause the easy answer for me would be on Sunday, I would say Tom, just considering it's a big game, Brian mm -hmm. White coming off the injury, Tom did score a goal in the last game and, and he's been looking pretty good. I think overall, at least the perception from most people, and I, I can't say I have too strong of an opinion of it because I do think Tom Barlow is a, a good player, but, but I think that Brian White is probably the better player overall. I think he has nine goals, maybe 10 on the season. Mm -hmm. um, both these guys probably have low ceilings, but the, the appeal is also that they have low floors. So they're, they could be sort of like Will Bruin type MLS forwards. At least that's oh. what people. Uh, another United killer. Yeah, we don't want to hear that. 
I wasn't aware of that, but there you go. Yeah. So, um, Will, Will yeah, Bruin, go ahead. No, no, you you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, Will Bruin is like the one guy that outdoes BWP on that front. I think he debuted his Dancing Bear celebration against DC United. The yeah. odds are in favor of that just because he scored like so many of his goals against us. I would, I would never have guessed Will Bruin of all people would be. Yeah. <laughs> He, he um, only scores yeah. against DC United, but he always scores against DC United. Yep. That is funny. Oh, my gosh. No, I think that it's probably Brian White if he's 100%. And who knows, guys? We may be talking a month from now in the postseason, less mm. than a month from now, about yeah. another potential match. And maybe then it would be Brian White. But I think coming off um, – and these ankle injuries are tricky. I don't know. Like you guys say about the MLS and the – the injuries I, I just don't trust it with, with with they say that oh he's potentially going to be ready um i don't see brian white being ready and i probably see tom barlow starting in the game well james you told us beforehand that you have a, a couple questions for us so so let's turn the floor over to you for those yeah so i mean i guess the big question for me is how do you guys rate wayne rooney's i know this is a big question so apologies but how do you rate Wayne Rudy in terms of like MLS DPs what is the DC fan consensus because I'm going to say something that's probably outlandish to you but I look at his year and a half and I think to myself this guy cannot be an all-time MLS great uh just off the back of of a year and a half and and frankly this season wasn't what last season was but I don't know maybe I'm coming from a place of ignorance but what do you guys think no, I, I think he's definitely not an all-time MLS great. He's he's played well, uh, but this season hasn't been as good. Uh, he slumped for a long time this season, and that's been a large part of DC United's slump for a large part of this season. So he he is a great player, and he had great moments in MLS, but... He's not a Beckham. He's not a Landon Donovan. He's not an all-time MLS game changer. And he changed the course of DC United. I think that's fair. Uh, and uh, when they came into their new stadium, he helped change that that directory, that direction. But yeah, he, he's he's in a weird liminal space, and and it'll still be worth figuring out where he ends up being. I, yeah, I think I guess it, like, no, go, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I don't think any player is going to have a claim to be an all time league. Great. After 18 months in the league. I, I think that you, if, if you want to be considered among the, the all timers in this league and, you know, Wayne Rooney is an all timer in a much bigger league than MLS, but to be an all timer in this league, you, you have to spend a little bit more time here uh, or, or you have to win everything there is to win in your short time and and you know obviously united didn't make it out of the the first round of the playoffs last year um they didn't go far in the open cup they they didn't win compete for the supporter shield so uh mls cup is going to define whether he even i guess has a a real true legacy in 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 his own terms he said that your legacy is what you've won what what hardware you've lifted and so I, I know he wants to win MLS Cup because he's an incredibly competitive player, which is why he's at the level he's at. But um, I, I, I don't think there's anything unfair 
about saying he's not one of the all-time great DPs or players in this league, even though when he's out there, he's obviously uh, of a very high quality. Just his his ability and his brain on the field are are they are all-time greats in this league. But his overall contribution, his overall legacy, maybe not. All right, so I was going to ask you about Ola Kamara, but I'll scrap that and just follow up with, with Rooney. I think what's interesting to me, and maybe the better question in terms of maybe not all-time MLS DPs, but in terms of, of foreign older players, right? And you could even throw specifically English, but maybe just European players. I mean, I look at guys like Steven, Steven Jarrett's one of the, 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 the bad examples, and Rafa Marquez even worse, what we had to deal with. Um, in New York. Um, but I, I mean, I look at a guy like Frank Lampard, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but he's, he's at NYCFC for um, whatever it was. I think it was maybe two and a half years. Maybe it was two seasons. He has one good season, one really good season. Um, and then he has sort of like a, a an eh season, like an okay season. Um, and, and people don't ever talk about Frank Lampard's, you know, MLS career. Like they, 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 they consider him a bust. And I look at Rooney now, and Rooney's numbers are clearly better than Frank Lampard's, but it's it's sort of similar. Like, and I, I the reason why I brought up the all time, I guess, in terms of the first question, was like I, I read a list on MLSsoccer.com the other day that had him like in the conversation for all time greats. And I guess the better question is like, what is the DC fan perception of like him coming in? He he clearly was a guy that was like an older player that still came in with a a willingness to play hard and took the league seriously. But but have the fans turned on him at all, like with the decision to go back to Derby so 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 soon? Some fans definitely have. Um, and the fact that he's been, in, until this past week, uh, had been slumping, um, that, that in, in a way that coincided with that decision and that announcement, definitely uh, contributed. Like, the first thing he did after, well, right before the announcement, he took a game off to go spend time with his family in England. He comes back and the first game back is against the Red Bulls and he gets a very early red card. And so the, the, a lot of fans read that as he's done, he's checked out. He's not, he's never going to contribute for us again. And I, I think that that's wrong. I think that this, that the game against Seattle showed that that's wrong, that he's still out there and wants to compete. Um, and, and he wants to win. And I, but, but it's not unfair to criticize his, his decision, even if it is understandable that his family doesn't want to be over here anymore. He wants to go back to his, his homeland where, so he can spend time with his family who's already moved back there uh, at this point. So I, 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 I can see the criticism, but I can also see, I can, I can see both sides. It's a, it's a tough situation um, for, for, to to get a grip on i think but yeah. the the fact that he's still out there contributing and competing and I, I think really what he leaves will be whether dc united lifts mls cup at the end of this year and if they do then you can't compare him to frank lampard anymore um yeah. and and you know zlatan can't even hold a th- anything to Wayne Rooney at that point, because he hasn't won anything with the galaxy at that point, he's in a a different category, but if he doesn't, if DC United doesn't go all the way and, and win MLS cup this year, 
then you start getting questions like that. I think because of what Ben said, because he he did come in and contribute so immediately, and like there was no adjustment period for him. He and, and yeah. DC United went on a tear, and so and and he, because that first impression was so positive, I I don't know how much um I I don't think the comparisons with Lampard are going to stick. I think he is going to be viewed more positively, no matter what happens from from here on out, but his exit is if he doesn't leave hoisting MLS cup, like Rudy taken off the field on his teammates shoulders. Um, th- there's going to be a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Well, I, I would say that part, part of the reason Lampard is not really in the same uh, class in terms of MLS, in my opinion, is that he did not change that organization at all. Uh, he was just a guy that, was paid a lot of money to be there and was famous, but he wasn't, he didn't really do anything that changed NYCFC's culture or the perception in the market or anything like that. He was just, it was purely, is he on the field or not? Um, and a lot of times he wasn't. Um, Rooney changed the locker room dynamic, the culture within the group. Um, he handled all of the weird obsessions that people have with like captain's armbands and stuff like that. He handled all of that as gracefully as you could. Um, So that side of it, I think goes a long way towards a more positive uh, impression than the, the memory that people have of, of Lampard, which Lampard did score 15 goals in that one season, but they were all like, like bad shin goals. It was just him making good (laughs) runs and then like getting the ball over the line, Um, which is a, a really good skill to have, but it's not trademark, butt goal. Like Rooney has moments. Um, yeah. Lampard has a bunch of like a, a tap in from five yards. Rooney has like the long ball to Lucho Acosta for a 97th minute winner. Um, he has a goal again, another one against Orlando, a goal from midfield. Um, and another goal against Orlando from the corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if Rooney play, I will say if Rooney just got to play against Orlando for 34 games, then he would probably be talked about as an all time great in MLS. Um, and in the world, he'd be an all time, right. like, um, because there, it would, <laughs> it would always be game winning, uh, astonishing plays from bizarre angles or distances or both. Um, but yeah, I, I think the impact he made off the field, is a major factor in all of this. Um, and the fact that he's leaving, it did kind of stun a lot of people. And I think there's even, it's still being worked out. I want to say like the last couple of games have been better from him and the percept there, there are fewer complaints. Um, there's fewer, there's less of an attitude. There was still, um, a pretty decent cheer when he was announced, uh, before the game. Um, it's definitely not as loud as it used to be. Um, but it was definitely not that I didn't hear the smattering of booze that I heard after um, the first one. So, you know, people are still working through it, I think, is the best way to look at it. Yeah, no, I appreciate I mean, I think that that's why I asked it, because I, I sort of look at it from the, the on-field perspective. But you make a great point with with the way that he's changed the club. And, yeah, obviously, Lampard couldn't have done that for, for NYCFC. If anything, you know, Via maybe did that. But. I think Rooney, even to a bigger extent, what he was able to do with DC off the field. And I uh, listen. I'm obviously I cover the Red Bulls, but I, I don't. I don't wish for DC to be uh, a team that's aimless and and without you know that big player. I think that 
It was fun to see them last season. It was it was fun to see DC last season with with Wayne Rooney and and competing and you ideally not all fans but I for me personally I would want to see both teams at a high level um, like they were last season and uh, and I hope that DC is able to find that that next guy because with the, with the stadium situation I was at Audi Field last year um, you you guys need uh, somebody to to sell that new stadium to sell the the organization around and. Um, with the situation with Lucho potentially going, who knows, right? And with, with the situation with Wayne Rooney, um, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason for the Red Bulls, and it's also going to be an interesting offseason for for you guys. That's putting it lightly, I think. Um, <laughs> one last question for you before we we let you go, and it's a question we like to ask everyone we have on the show to preview a game. It. it if you were to find yourself across from Chris Armis, how would you game plan against the Red Bulls? What would you be focusing on? What would you try to take away? What would you try to exploit? Ooh, that's a good question. I would, well, I, I would do the, I would sit back and I would try to go direct and I would stop the Red Bulls from being able to press. That's, that's the obvious answer. Um, but I would, I would try to attack down the wings, uh, specifically the right side. I mean, I, I praise Kyle Duncan. I think Kyle Duncan is solid. Um, but I think if you're DC, you probably still have to test that. Um, and uh, it, with beating the Red Bulls, it, it, you have to play direct. Uh, you can't play through the press, so you just have to try to go over the top. I think playing over the top is the best way to do it. Um, and uh, you just got to hope that one of those counterattacks will will pan out all right james thanks for taking the time tonight uh why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on twitter and wherever else on the internet yeah sure you can find me on twitter at james justice iii that's james justice the third uh same on instagram and then go to oncemetro.com to uh catch my stories i'm going to be writing a story uh this week hopefully out maybe not before the game, but sometime soon after on Christian Caceres. Um, don't know if your audience would be particularly interested in that. Um, but I also write some stories about uh, MLS as a whole on there. So oncemetro.com is a good spot to find me. All right. Find us at blackandredunited.com, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support this podcast financially. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth is always the best advertising Uh, for Jason and Ben and thanking James one more time. I'm Adam and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Uh, Go Mystics again.